Support for Tilt Radio comes from the Catalyst Counseling Foundation. The Catalyst Counseling Foundation is hosting their first annual golf outing June 25th at the Heatherwood Golf Course in Springboro, Ohio. Their foundation is a 5013C nonprofit that strives to empower families and educators to elevate beyond the stigma of mental health by bridging gaps in treatment and mental health education. The Catalyst Counseling Foundation raises awareness and financial support for children and families in our local schools and communities to receive assistance with mental health services that wouldn't be able to do so otherwise. They're in need of players, sponsors, and raffle basket donations. If you feel led to contribute to this worthy cause, you can find more information on their website, catalystcounselingfoundation.org, or on their Facebook page under the events tab. Hey, Lax fam, welcome to Tilt Radio. Today on the show, we're discussing boys and girls tournament seedings with U.S. Lacrosse's president of the Southern Ohio chapter, Kevin Carroll. After that, we're sitting down with one of the best defensemen in the world, Garrett Eppel from the Redwoods Lacrosse Club. Check the tilt. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and follow our show if you like what we're doing. Tilt Radio is produced by Storm Sessions, creative audio solutions for creators like you. What is up, Lax fam? Welcome to episode four of Tilt Radio Podcast. I am your host, Jamie Foley. Lax Pops sitting next to me is my producer and co-host, Cal Turnbull. What is up, Cal? Hello. Hello, everyone. So, great weekend of lacrosse. We had uh, the high school tournament up north. We also had the middle school tournament. Um, Touch base on that a little bit. Southwest Ohio got busy this weekend. The Division I championship game was two Cincinnati teams, Sycamore and Mason. Sycamore came out on top on that one. Division two was also two Cincinnati teams, Lakota East and the Blue Jays with Lakota East winning that one. Then we also had a Division three champion from Southwest Ohio, Bellbrook. So Southwest Ohio got it done, man. Division one, two, and three, uh, all champions. Um, you know, just shows you where Southwest Ohio is. So also had the, uh, had the tournament up north. Sanex, Springboro, Mason all had a good showing up there as well. And then the big news of the weekend is we had our tournament draw for OHSAA, which was super exciting. Uh, we're not going to do rankings this week. We're going to go through the seeds from the tourney, um, what those look like, some of your critical games, and and who we feel like is going to come out of the region. So, um, But, yeah, thanks again, everyone, for all your feedback. Great episode last week with Glenn. As well with Greg uh, Grandly, and if you haven't listened to that yet, go give it a listen. Uh, it was a great episode. So, with that said, ready to get after these uh, these tournament rankings here. I am ready. So a little bit of how it works coming from a coach's standpoint. So last week you had all week to put in your record, and then on Saturday morning you see what everyone's records are, what they have to say, and then you take them and you seed them based on where you think they should be, based on their record, based on whatever profile you want to use. Uh, some of these rankings, it makes you wonder what some of these coaches are thinking <laughs> sometimes, you know. I mean, but it is what it is. And then Sunday, all the coaches, well, now they're on a Zoom call, but normally they meet in person. 
The bracket is up. You have what your seating is. You actually get to see who voted for you where. And you basically go in order from one to whether it's 18 or whatever your number is and pick what line you want to go to. Um, that's how they develop the brackets for the region. So I'll tell you what, let us, let's kick it off with, what do you want to do? Let's do division one, region four. So the seedings are as follows. Springboro got the one seed, uh, was super close between Springboro and Moeller for the one and two, uh, Top five, Springboro, Moeller, St. X, Mason, Milford. Uh, again, St. X and Mason also could have been flippy floppied a little bit. Uh, the day before uh, we had to pick, St. X actually beat Mason, so they got a little bit of revenge on them. And then followed by Sycamore, Loveland, West, East, Elder, Lebanon, Kings, Miamisburg, Fairfield. And then the bottom four were Oak Hills, Little Miami, Northmont, and Winton Woods. So a little bit on that bracket, um, that Division One bracket is going to be fun. You know, Springboro and Muller, of course, are the favorites there. But you know, it's 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 tight, and I don't think anyone's going to be getting upset with how those teams uh, stacked up. And for those those of you that don't that don't know, up until the regional final this year, you have a home game if you're the higher seed. So that's a big deal, especially if you're like Indian Hill that only had like four home games this year. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but I think the team that, you know, we just played them. A lot of people aren't talking about is that Milford team. Milford can play folks. They are good. They're very well coached and they're going to have to go through some squads to get there. Um, you know, they play Sycamore their first game. They're going to have them at Milford. I think Milford wins that game. And then the second round, they're going to get Mason. That's, that's the game. I feel like where you might see an upset. Mm -hmm. If Mason doesn't come out ready to play, Milford, they come out fired up, they will get you. Mm -hmm. There is no, I mean, we just went through that. Division one is is tight. I don't even know if you can call that one an upset. I mean, if you're knowledgeable on division one, you know Milford's good. Yeah, for sure. They scrimmaged earlier in this year. I think Mason won by one. So, So with that, on that division one, you know, Springboro took the top, took the top uh, placement. Look like all the Division One games are going to be played on Tuesdays and Fridays, where all the Division Twos are Monday, Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, so Springboro, you know, they're going to get the winner of Fairfield Oak Hills the next round, no problem there. And then they're going to see East or Lebanon again. Do I think East or Lebanon are going to upset Springboro? Probably not. But do I think if a team like East who has really good seniors, they got a good young group, puts it together. Could they keep it close? It's tournament time. I mean, you never you never know what happens. So, you know, Springboro have to get through East to get to the regional semifinal. And like we just talked about down at the bottom there, you got Milford, um, Sycamore, Miamisburg, and Mason. I feel like we're going to see Milford and Mason play there. And then they'll have that matchup with Springboro. I still feel like Springboro comes out of that part of the bracket to make it to the regional final on the 28th. And then on the bottom, the number two seed, Moeller took the top spot. In there with Moeller, you got Lakota West, King, St. X, Loveland, Elder, Winton Woods. I mean, again, I mean, Lakota West and Moeller played each other earlier this year. They're going to probably see each other in the second round. 
Um, again, West, like East, has a lot of weapons. And if Moeller isn't ready, which, you know, knowing their team and knowing their coach, they'll be ready to play. I still think Moeller makes it to the regional semis where I think they'll have another matchup with St. X. Who wins that game? I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I have no clue who wins that game. Got Mo written down, but we'll see. It's definitely going to be close. Yeah. St. X comes to play. And St. X's schedule has been insane. 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 And they did beat Louisville St. X, which... They did. Whew. Right, right. And it's not like the Moeller St. X game was a blowout by any means early in the year. So that'll be... That'd be a great game. That game will be on the 25th, and Moeller would be the home team in that game. So that leaves Springboro against Moeller slash St. X in the regional final. You know, here's kind of the funny thing. Moeller and Springboro were supposed to play. They canceled because of the rain. Springboro's played St. X twice. They beat them up twice. I mean, can you beat a CNX team three times? I don't know. I mean, if you're Springboro, is it scarier to play CNX a third time or play Muller the first time? I mean, I love the underdog mentality. I love coming into a game, you know, with a little bit of that chip on your shoulder, and CNX is going to be scary. Right. right. I mean, you never want to see CNX anyway with their schedule, right? Or Muller, but having to see CNX three times, no thank you. No, thank you. Not, I don't know if that's a game that I want, I want to play in the regional final, but to be honest with you, with either one of those, I do like Springboro. I think they're playing really good right now. Again, they got a lot of really good seniors. Um, I don't know, man. Those three teams, it's a toss-up. I just can't. I can't pick it right now. We'll have to see what happens on next episode. I'll see how it goes. So moving on to Division Two here. But like we said, watch out for Milford. Moving along here to Division Two. Here we go. Divi- I, I, I got to say, I think some of these coaches ranking Division Two pulled up lax numbers 15 minutes before. <laughs> they picked, they pulled up lax numbers 15 minutes before. They looked at some records. You know, I don't even think they clicked on the team, and then they ranked the teams. Yeah, I mean, there's a team that rated Marymount like fifth. Get out of town. Like, come on. Get out of town and keep going. Right. I mean... You know, we got rated fifth by one team. They got rated fifth by a team. I don't know, man. I, I ignorance I is bliss, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. To me, the most sense make the most sense to me is do it all in one day. Like everyone, just show up, rank the teams, do the math, and then seat them and draw. I mean, to me, I mean, spite might have played a little bit of a factor on some of these as well. Yeah, no, for sure. No, for sure. I mean, no doubt about it. I mean, but still, it just, what's that? You got this guy's friend with that guy. This guy's, I coach with this guy. I mean, it's, man, it's whatever. It, they all got to play eventually. They do all got to right? play. Right. And the thing is about the seeding is you can see who seated you where. <laughs> so you eventually got to play him. But, man, I don't know. Division one had some weird stuff too. I mean, there's, I mean, our guy at Sunday Lax has been tweeting about it like crazy, and it's it's just. I think Division One, with how close those teams are, you can get away with a little bit of that, especially in the top five. Yeah, but I mean, if you look to there's some of these places, like even in Columbus, where they were doing the same thing. But like at the same time, like there's a team that rated Springboro, like in the bottom third. Get out. 
<laughs> That's what I mean. You just, I don't know. I think some people get confused and, again, I I, I digress. I do not know. We'll move on. So, Division Two. So, no doubt here, Marymount, number one. You know, it was interesting. Indian Hill going to the CHCA game Friday night. I think that had a lot of... I think that was going to have a lot of bearing on that number two seed. Mm-hmm. CHCA was playing really, really good. Um, here's a, I'll get to a little bit more of that confusion here in a second. Um, Indian Hill went to CHCA, came out with a nice win. I think it was 12 to four ish, something like that. Um, I think that kind of locked up the two seed for us. And then the next day, I thought CHA was going to get the three seed because they beat Fenwick the next day before the seeding was due. But Fenwick still got the three seed and CHCA got the four seed. Then they're followed up by Seven Hills at the five, Turpin six, Talawanda seven, uh, Anderson eight, Summit nine, and then Cincinnati Country Day, LaSalle, McNicholas, Madeira, Wyoming, Franklin, and then the bottom three are Wilmington, Edgewood, and Taylor. So we're going to get some interesting matchups in D2. You know, you're going to get your normal blowouts, I think, to start kind of start out. So the Division II tournaments played, like we said, on Monday, Thursday, which is makes zero sense. And uh, makes zero sense. Like, when do you give your guys off if you play Monday and Thursday? I mean, we're changing around our practice schedule a little bit just so we can get time in the day before. No, right, right. I mean, you have that make that they make you practice Sundays on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Essentially, you have to practice the day before a game. But I mean, I'm much. I would much rather play Wednesday, Saturday, right? But whatever, that's above my pay grade. I don't make the rules. So Marymount took the one seat at the top of the bracket. They'll play the winner of Taylor Madeira. Um, it was interesting during the draw. I was a little bit surprised to see CHCA uh, jump into the bracket with Marymont. You know, I think they'll see Marymont in that regional semifinal. CHCA uh, plays McNick, and then they play the winner of Turpin in Wyoming. And then on the bottom of the bracket, you have Indian Hill with the two seed. They'll play the winner of Wilmington and Edgewood. Uh, Fenwick is on, is on that side of the bracket. Um, looks like we might have a little uh, a possible inner Indian Hill battle between Indian Hill and and Cincinnati Country Day possibly in that second round. Um, Moving on, that'd be a fun <laughs> that'd be a fun game. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, at the bottom there, you know, you got Fenwick, uh, who they'll see Talawanda. Pro- well, I don't know Talawanda. That Talawanda Seven Hills game would be an interesting game. Because Talawanda scored a bunch of points. Um, but Seven Hills, I mean, their goalie's good, man. Their goalie is tough. Blake is a good goalie. Um, but I still think Fenwick could come out in that regional semi there, which I think they'll face Indian Hill. And then, like, death and taxes, Indian Hill and Marymount in the regional final. Um, you know, we'll see. I mean, it was 12-10 when we played last time. Um Again, tournament time, you never know. By no, Both teams are hungry. Both teams have seniors that really want to go out on a high note. One thing I will say is out of that Indian Hill Marymount bracket, I think those are those are two teams you don't want to see if you're in the Columbus bracket or you don't I don't think you want to see those teams in the final four, but 
you know that that's that's going to be a fun bracket. This tournament's going to be awesome here coming up. So really excited about that. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Cal? So you think? What do you think? Springboro out of one and Indian Hill. We were not going to pick Indian Hill or Marymount coming out of two. No. <laughs> so that's the boys' rankings. Um, I got something to talk about here, and this is this is in all seriousness. Twice this weekend, I heard of racial comments being called out to African-American players in high school games. One one was yelled at a player from an opposing team. The other one was yelled at a player from an opposing student section. It never gets easier to deal with. It never gets easier to talk about. It never gets easier to console a kid that's going through it. Um, both kids I know that went through it. I know their families, extremely strong families, extremely good kids. But guys, this stuff is not okay. Players get frustrated during a game and they say stupid stuff. But that's beyond stupid stuff. It's the fact that they hear it somewhere. It's the fact that it's in their vocabulary. It's the fact that they've never been put in a situation to understand what people of color go through and why it hurts and why it feels that way. And it needs to stop. And let me tell you this. When I discovered lacrosse, one of the reasons I fell in love with it is it struck me the first game I ever went to was a high school game. And at the end of the game, everyone does the one, two, three, rah, rah, the other team. Lacrosse is the only sport that I know of that does that. And it gave it this family feel of, okay, well, this sport gets it. Like they understand it. And the more and more I got into it, the more and more I fell in love with the sport because of that. So when this happens, it makes me sick. It makes me sick to my stomach. It makes me incredibly emotional. And... I got to I have to challenge all of you listening right now. If this ever happens, call it out for what it is. Anytime something like that happens, that's always an opportunity to teach and learn and motivate to be better. I mean, the end. And any any of you students listening, if you ever hear anything like that come out of one of your buddies sitting next to you in the student section, have some guts and call it out. Have some guts and put him on the spot so that so that guy next to you can be put in a situation where he can learn a thing or two on why that's so wrong. Because this cannot continue to happen. Because the people that say it have no idea how much that rattles, hurts, destroys the people they say it to, regardless of how you think they react to it. The situation I know of personally, the kid reacted to it and blew it off, which to me shows his strength, but at the same time makes me sad that he's heard that crap so much that he's able to just blow it off like that. And it has to be a thing we do together. It can't just be, you know, one person calling one person out. It has to be something that we put an effort towards and do it together. There's always going to be ignorance out there. 
There's always going to be people that were taught the wrong path. But that cycle is not broken unless someone steps and intervenes and shows people that this is not the way. This is a love thing. This is a person thing. I got to get on my soapbox there for a minute because it's just, it's so wrong. And it ruins a game that is just so beautiful and so fun to watch and and so, you know, family connected. You know, it it's just, it makes me sad to see. So aside from that, continue to listen. Stay tuned. We're going to break down our girls' seedings and tournament. Check the tilt. So joining us in the studio, Mr. Kevin Carroll. How are we doing, Kevin? Good. Thank you for having me. Hey, thanks thanks for joining us. We're really excited to kick off uh, our girls' seatings, and I don't think girls get enough pub around here in, in Southwest Ohio or in Ohio in general. They work hard and just as hard as the boys do, and they deserve all the credit as well. So, again, thanks for joining us. Thank you again. Give us a little bit of your background, what you're doing now in Southwest Ohio for lacrosse, yeah, and just how you found the game. Sure. So, uh, New York native, uh, grew up in Long Island. Um, actually didn't start playing lacrosse until high school. Um, our football coach was our lacrosse coach and told us that uh, you had to run in the spring. So either you're running track or you're running lacrosse. And uh, he told me I could wear a helmet. So it was like, all right, well, let's do this. So, uh, um, but, you know, played with all my friends. It was a great thing. Um, I was a football player. So I was recruited to go to West Point uh, out of high school. And when I got there, the lacrosse coach asked me if I'd, you know, knowing that he that I'd played, he asked me if I could play there too. Uh, so kind of started my career there and uh, left there, played a little bit of lacrosse at uh, University of Albany. And then I've been playing club lacrosse uh, pretty much at, since uh, graduating high, uh, college. Um, started coaching. Uh, most of the guys in, you know, postgraduate college, their uh, games, they're all coaches. So you get hooked in to coming and helping out and different stuff. So I uh, started coaching there, got involved with um, the Ireland lacrosse team and uh, played a little for them, but then helped out with coaching and recruiting there. Um, and then uh, we, on a professional level, I worked for PNG and we moved to Cincinnati about 11 years ago. And uh, my youngest daughter, who's a senior now at Mason, uh, she was starting to play lacrosse, and uh, I uh, moved over to the girls' side. And uh, I know it's very different. The rules are different, but the core skills are the same. Right, and, right. And uh, you got to scoop, you got to cradle, yeah. and you got to sh- you got to throw the ball, and you got to learn to run with it. So right, uh, right. it was kind of a natural progression, and uh, I have no regrets on uh, being on the girls' side. It's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. I always said too. Just you know, we talked a little bit about earlier. My daughter Olivia just started playing lacrosse this year. She's nine and is getting into it. I feel like, I actually feel like playing defense in girls lacrosse is much harder than the boys' game because you don't, obviously, you don't have a six foot stick and you have to stay in front of people. There's no like chasing stick. There's none of that. You have to stay in front. Yeah. It's, it's pretty incredible the way the, the game has progressed. Um, my first game I ever saw with girls lacrosse, there was no sidelines. And the ball never goes out of bounds. So people are just chasing it. It's all over the fields. And now they put they put lines down. They're trying to get them closer to the same size. Right. Um, but uh, it's a lot more finesse, a lot more footwork. 
Um, the boys can be a lot more physical, but even on the boys' side, these sticks now, before with, you know, you could you could knock a stick and the ball would come out. Right. I, I see these kids, these sticks, these oh, balls yeah. never come out. That's it's amazing right. how far this game has progressed. That's my coaches yell stick check from the sideline. <laughs> so uh, I know you're involved with US, uh, US Lacrosse in Southwest Ohio. Tell us about that, kind of what your duties are there. Sure. I just um, I just finished up as three years as being the president of Southern Ohio Lacrosse. Um, so really the core of, of U.S. Lacrosse is to get people trained and also to grow the game across the United States. They actually just announced this week that it's no longer U.S. Lacrosse. It's USA Lacrosse. Right, right. Looking to move that over to kind of the Olympic uh, format yeah. of having, you know, getting ready for in in four more years, they're going to be in Los Angeles. Lacrosse is going right. to be for men's and women. So they're moving to that format and getting ready for that, changing the name over. Uh, but realistically, it's just making sure that we uh, we provide for the community, uh, you know, coaching training. Uh, we do we do a lot of uh, work with providing grants and and things so that we can get sticks in people's hands and grow the game. You know, throughout, and you see it here in Southern Ohio. Every year, we're adding one, two teams at the youth level, and you know, even on the high school level, which is great to see. You know, and it's uh, it's definitely progressed in the ten years, you know, eleven years that I've been here, and uh, it's going to be amazing to see. You know, in just you know, if you put another ten years down, we'll be oh yeah, we'll be doing well. And Southern Ohio is is uh, you know, we we always talk about how Columbus is. They make sure all the championships are up there. But if you look at who the championships right. have been. Uh, been done since OHSAA has taken over. You know, it's it's Southern Ohio has, has had the majority of those uh, have been in the have been in the finals and taken the final. Yeah, I think we were looking the other day is when Dublin and the boys side when Dublin won it uh, in two thousand what would that be two thousand nineteen. That that was the first time a Columbus team won it. I think in four or five years in Division One. I think in Division Two also, because you've had Marymount a few times, Chagrin Falls, the girls. Obviously, you have Upper Arlington in Division One, but in Division Two, I think Mary did Marymount. I know Marymount Indian Hill won, won. Indian Hill won. Okay, um, yeah. So Indian Hill won the first official one, I right, believe. Right, and then Marymount uh, came up last uh, two years ago and, yep. and won it. So they, you know, very strong programs. There you go. And we just talked about too, just when we broke down the middle school. You know, we had Division One, Two, and Three, and boys were all. Southwest Ohio teams that won the finals. And two of those, it was Southwest Ohio teams that were the runner-up too. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's growing. So, so I see your uh, youngest daughter, Mason, is now, is she's going to Hofstra to play, correct? Yeah, that's correct. So, tell us a little bit about that, kind of what that recruiting process was like as a parent and a dad. And The recruiting process is pretty stressful. Um, obviously, you've got all the tournaments that they go to. She played actually for a a club team out of um, for her last year out of Colorado, okay. uh, Summit um, Summit Elite, right. and uh, amazing girls on that team. They got girls, a girl that's going to Notre Dame, Georgetown, um, USC. You know, you name it. They're a very strong team. So it's it's going to all those tournaments and making sure that they're ready to play in front of all those coaches. Right. And then it's the I think from August through January when we when she made the commitment, every week to almost every other week we were at some type of camp or something. You know, talking to coaches, 
being on the phone, uh, having them look at her. Um, and it's a, it's an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. You go out there, um, you know, for one, a parent can't do anything, but on the other side, you always hope that they, you know, you always hope that they do well, but you've got to, you've got to cheer them up and get them ready for the next week. Right. So, right. Um, and the kids know when they don't play well, No, my, right. my daughter oh, yeah. will tell you, man, I, I, I did not do well. Right. I laid an egg this, <laughs> I laid an egg on this one. <laughs> right. All right. Where's the next one? Right. You know? And, um, but it's keeping them focused and keeping them, you know, positive. And right. that was, uh, we, uh, she signed the last week in January, which is right before pretty much they went dark. So right. it was, oh, uh, right. it was, it was, uh, it was definitely a relief for her. Oh, I'm sure. Um, and, uh, she's really enjoying her senior year now. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. Is she having a great year this year so far? Uh, she's, she's, uh, she's leading her team in points right now. She's awesome. got, you know, I think she's got 86 points with 53 goals and 12. Wow. 33 assists or something like that. Ooh, she is balling. <laughs> man, oh, man, that's awesome. So we're going to break down some of the tournament action here. Like we said, the seating was this weekend. Uh, we'll start with Division Two. So we see Marymont got the one seed, followed up by Wyoming, Wyoming Indian Hill, Earthline, and Seton. Any surprises there in that top five with Division Two? You know, there's. Um, I would say that the one that which is a surprise for me um, we really haven't heard much about Seton over the past few years, but they've having a, a really good season, 15 and three. Mm -hmm. Um, and my understanding is they've got a really good senior. She's a baller. She's, and she's, um, pushing them forward. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting to see because you've got, um, you know, that, that Catholic school league is a mix of division one and division right. two teams. So they're, you know, they're competing against each other. They have to play each other twice. Mm -hmm. uh, similar to GMC has the same rules. Right, right. So, you know, they're, um, and they've, uh, they've had a very good, good, uh, good, uh, a good spring. Um, what's interesting is, you know, Marymount is obviously the team to beat. Mm -hmm. Um, then they, uh, you know, they have a ton record, of seniors, right? I feel like I was they have, out there. They have first, a lot of seniors, yeah. but they have, I would say they've got the strong, one of the strongest programs on the youth side, especially at the middle school level. Um, and I, and I used to coach against them for four years. The coach for their middle school has been there for six years. So that consistency oh, yeah. and then moving them up to high school, it just, it just lays the groundwork right. that, you know, they've got a great coach at high school and he's done a great job. They don't shy away from big games. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're going to play Mason tonight. Right. Um, but they play a very strong schedule and just so they can get ready for the playoffs. Right. Right. What's interesting is Wyoming, Indian Hill, and Ursa, you know, and Ursuline all chose the lower bracket to play against each other. Yeah, to two, stay three, away and four from to Maryland. stay away from yeah. them and then to say, hopefully when we get to that right. that region finals, we'll have a chance. Maybe something will happen. Maybe right. we'll get some luck. Well, I know the Marymount Indian Hill game, Marymount won like by one. Like at the end of the game, and I was surprised to see Indian Hill below Wyoming because we I think they played Wyoming here their senior night and Indian Hill beat Wyoming. So I think you know uh, you know Indian Hill's another one where it's they have a they've played a well they're only you know eight five and eight they right. play a strong right they play right. a very strong they don't shy away from teams they play the good teams right um, even their losses have been pretty close mm -hmm. so you know it, you I would give them another two or three you know, one or two goals, yeah. and, you know, and they're there. But the thing about them is they've really only got one senior and they've got a really good young class. Yes, they do. Yeah. Their sophomore class is, you know, uh, you know, Cameron Rubinall is, is a great player and she is a leader and she's, and she's making them better, but they've got great sophomores, 
great freshmen. So they're they're kind. Of, I mean, this is this is going to be a tough year for them, but you should see them yeah. rising up the next two years and giving Marymount. Yeah, and coach Coach Parlin's got some ballers coming in too. Their junior high class yeah. is really good. Their junior high, I know, went and won uh, the Comic, Comic Cup. Cup. Yeah, I got to watch it. Yeah, I was there. That was, yeah. You know, so there's another. You know, so there. And my understanding is that the Comic Cup, the fifth and sixth graders came in second place. Yeah, we're right. So that's right. You've got you've got that consistency that's coming up, and that's what's great to see. So Indian Hills got you know it's gonna be it's gonna be a line or you know. Marymount's going to be looking over their shoulder and they're going to be right there with them. That's great. That's great. So the next five here, we got Seven Hill, CHEA, CCD, Turpin, and Madeira. Yeah, I mean, it, it, those, I mean, it's, you know, Seven Hills is, uh, is, has got a, has had a pretty good year. It, you know, I don't see any of them really kind of coming up. Turpin's got a brand new coach. Um, coach Padabom, Coach Padabom, right? yeah. You know, um, I think he's, he's, putting in a system there where I think he's, he's got buy-in, you know, mm-hmm. and he's, and he's promoting, you know, a team mentality. They've had a lot of coaches over the years. So hopefully I think Pat, coach Patamom, he's got daughters. So he's looking yep. at it that yep. side. And so he's yep. moving over. Um, so I think you've got, I think you've got, um, you know, they, they, they'll, they'll, those teams will do well. CHGA has a couple, you know, has one very good player and a couple of very strong players. The problem is it's such a small school. Right. It's hard right. to keep those, um, keep everything, but you know, they'll have, they'll have success playing the lower teams. I just don't, when you look at up top, it's, it's tough to bring right. in. No, right. Right. So then we're followed up with Oakwood. We'll go to the last yep. six Oakwood, Fenwick, Bellbrook, Summit, McNick and Miami Valley. Yeah, it's um, you know, these are a lot of these teams have you know struggled to have any wins at all, or they've gotten wins over each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, um, it's one of the things that you 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 think a little bit about in the region as everybody makes the playoffs, right? You know, right? Um, and it's it's a tough run. Yeah, you know, you get seven weeks oh, yeah. to get eighteen games in. So you know, it almost would be you know, in my mind, maybe if you extend that out to eight weeks and you know, and you. And you make it a play-in or something at a certain level, right? Because um, it's it's not a lot of fun for a Miami Valley to have to play a Miramont. No, right. And it doesn't right. do much for Miramont to have right. to play Miami Valley. Right. You know, it it's almost it's it's almost a recipe for disaster if somebody. Well, yeah, I mean, hurt. I can t- as a coach, you hold your breath, right? I mean, it's no for sure. I mean, it, but yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think there's something to be said about that. You know, when you have. And I understand it's the tournament, like you have to play it out that way. But I think there kind of is something to be said where maybe you do have a a region with like a top 10 and then a bottom eight or bottom 10 play somewhere else. But yeah. um, no, I, I, I agree there for sure. I think surprising too is some that's usually pretty strong. I think numbers are really hurting them this year. I know on the boys' side yeah. it is as well. So. Well, they had a big graduate. Right. You know, um, she's she's killing it right now in Loyola. She was actually uh, Taylor Cummings does a a weekly podcast, and she shouted out that Sydney Black is the player to watch, mm-hmm. and uh, that's pretty awesome for Southern Ohio. No, right? Yeah, it is for sure, for sure. So going through that bracket here, I mean, what do you think? Any sleepers? Anyone gonna besides that top? You know, three. Yeah, think- anyone you think can catch? I need the top three. I think CHCA has a has a chance. Um, CHCA and Seven Hills could walk into one of those um, one of those upper games, you know, and and maybe get a win out of it. 
Um, I don't see, I definitely don't see Miramont. They, they're a machine. They're, mm. they, um, even when they play the, the lower level teams, they're a machine. They put them to bed yep. and they put the rest of, you know, the rest of the players in. Um, so I don't see much of a sleepers there. Um, but you may see a couple of teams that might rise up. And I, I think CHCA, they, they have a couple of players, um, that I've coached that should, if they come to play and they, and they, and they, and they, works out into their favor, they could probably, you know, maybe get to the, you know, maybe get into the round three. Right. So who do you see in your regional final here for division two? Um, so I think, you know, when I look at this, I, I think Maramon Indian Hill is probably going to be where it is. I think, you know, Wyoming's got a strong team. Uh, it's got, um, it's got a, it's got four seniors that are doing well, a junior in, uh, in Victoria Chesson, who's, uh, you know, is very strong on the draw. She's also, I think she's 5'10", so she's pretty she tall. She is tall. She, she is, is tall. tall. Um, you know, but I think, um, you know, they. I think the way Indian Hill is, is built, you know, uh, if they can keep them positive and keep them, you know, the, you know, it's tough. The sophomores didn't have a freshman year, but, right. you know, they're playing, I think they're playing in their element. Yeah. And uh, my understanding is they just recently, uh, they just recently played, um uh, St. Ursula mm -hmm. and, uh, just basically dismantled yeah, they, yeah, them. And that's did. a good coach there. Um, yeah. in Todd Graham. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I think they're, and they're all stepped up that game, those sophomore class. Maybe right. it's because, you know, coach Graham was one of their coaches, and, you know, so. <laughs> right. So, so who do you think Marymont or Indian Hill coming out of that region? I think, I definitely think Marymont is, is the, is the team to beat, you know, and they're going to go in and, you know, I think they'll, you know, we'll see how they do when they get up. Who's who's left up in uh, up in the other regions? No, right, right. All right, shifting gears over here to Division One. Uh, starting at the top here, Loveland number one, Mason got the two seed, Sycamore the three, Kings the four, and Mount Notre Dame the five. Any surprises there? No, I mean I'll be well. So I guess my biggest surprise is Mount Notre Dame because when we when Mason played them, um, it was it was pretty rough. It was yeah. uh, they beat them twenty two to one. Um, but they've got two coaches there. Um, both played in college. Mm -hmm. uh, one played at Mercer, and the other I'm trying to think. She was actually a, she was actually a coach in college too. So they've got the coaching staff, and I think they've started to coach them up, and they're winning some games. But I would have thought that they would have. I, I've, I'm surprised that they're five. I wouldn't have probably put them past you know ten, but um, that was kind of a surprise to me to see them at number five. Yeah, they need to get some of those girls basketball players on the yes, they do. field, man. I mean, they're I mean, athletes. Jesus, they're athletes. Um, you know, it's it's definitely it's a down year for them, but you know, if, if those coaches stay, you can see them, right. you can see them getting yeah. built back up. Yeah. So our next five, we got West, East, Lebanon, Ursula, and Walnut. So I mean, uh, you know, East and West is interesting. Um, we see, you know, with Mason, we see them twice every year. Um, you know, West is, West has a very good goalie. Uh, she's going to coastal Carolina, uh, Manning, um, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Kennedy Manning. Um, and you know, they have a defense offense, but they, it's their biggest, their, their biggest weakness right now is their defense. So okay. it's, and keeping the ball. So, you know, when they get down, it's, it's tough. Um, East is a very physical team. We just saw on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, um, my daughter is, is definitely got beat up in that game. <laughs> um, but then they've got. They've got two of the top scorers in the GMC, um, very good players. 
um, very good scores. Um, and they're a physical team. So it's, you know, if your team does not like to get, you know, knocked around, um, it becomes, it becomes an issue, uh, for them. Right. You know, they've, I think they've gotten, you know, their, their senior class though, is this is their senior class. So it's, it's, it'll be, we'll see how far they can go. If, if, if I would, if I were to look between the two, Lakota East and West, um, I think I'd prefer to play West and East just because of the physicality of that, that right. they play. Right. Um, right. you know, Lebanon is, uh, they've got a lot of athletes in Lebanon. Um, it just, it's, it's just interesting to see the play out. I, you know, they've lost a lot of games where you think that they were going to be in it a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and you can't count out coach Graham at St. Ursula. I mean, he's, uh, he's a good coach. I've seen him, I've seen him, you know, be down nine goals and come back yeah. and beat a Mason team <laughs> that he should never have beaten. Right. right. Um, so he's uh, he's a great coach and um, he can pull a rabbit out of a hat there too. So rounding off the bottom here, so they have 18 uh, teams in Division One. Uh, you got Anderson, Milford, Fairfield, Northmont, Mercy, Little Miami, Oak Hills, and Edgewood. Yeah, and those, those last four are all playing games. So right, right. Um, so you've got, you know, if you're looking at those, uh, you know, Milford's got Milford's got a very strong player in Sarah Cardell. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's um, but she's their strongest player. So if you got a good team coming up against them, if they face guard her, right. they take her out of right. the game. It's it's uh, it's one of those things that you know that you can't really replace her right. replace her numbers and her offense. Um, you know, it we've got you know Fairfield is 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 tough. Uh, their best player uh, is um, is actually a, a wrestler. Okay, nice. Really, that is awesome. And she's very strong. She's played in. I think the she played in the velocity program since she was a little okay. kid. She actually was in the Lakota system okay. because Fairfield didn't have didn't have a team. Right. Didn't have a team. Right. Um, so she's a she's a very good player. But they just don't. They're they're rebuilding. Um, talking to their coach, and even same with Oak Hills. There, it, there's really no feeder program, and right. they're all brand new players. So it's it's rough when you get out there right. and you play no, somebody right. against kids have been playing their entire life. Right, right. Cool, cool. So coming out of Division One, who's your pick for? Well, for one, do you think there's any sleepers in there? Like I know we see, you know, you talked about Lakota East, how physical they are. Any chance, you know, maybe they get past Loveland? So I think Loveland is the most balanced team that I've ever seen that they've had. Okay. Um, typically, Loveland has one or two players that they they showcase on offense. Um, right. Example is Katie Mack a few years ago who went on to play at Ohio State. Um, their offense was based on them, and they have two very strong players in Carly Wilcott and Hannah Wanger. Um, and in past years, they were the showcase. This, right. They have a new coach this year. And she has really driven home playing a balanced offense. Mm-hmm. And now those two are definitely your studs. They're definitely your best players on that team. But they've got four other players on offense who are all contributing within the same range. Right, right. Um, which is great to see. So it makes it that much more difficult to play them. Right. Um, their defense, they have a very strong defender in, in Skylar uh, Marsconi. Um, she's their anchor. Um, she drives it home and she also is able to come down the field and score. score so, right. You know, right. so she's, um, you know, she's got great stick skills, but I think um, they definitely deserve to be number one. Um, their three losses are against 
three quality North teams. Um, and uh, did Loveland and Mason play each other? So Loveland and so the way the bracket works is uh, Sick Loveland's obviously on top. Mason's on the bottom bracket. Yep. Sycamore chose to play into the Loveland bracket. Yeah, right. Yeah, I saw um, that. Yeah. So you'll have if they meet, they'll meet in the regional finals. Um, those either game of that is going to be a tough game for Mason. Well, pl- I mean the fact that Loveland has to go through Sycamore too. I mean yeah. Sycamore's a perennial powerhouse. Yeah, right? absolutely. I mean, you know you can't you can't count Sycamore out. Right. Uh, when you've got Eddie Clark as the head coach. Right. Um, right. They had a team, I think it was three years ago, who was, I think it was 11 and, 11 and five, uh, five and 11. Mm-hmm. And they went to the, they went to the, the, uh, the final four. The final four, right. You know, yeah. and, you know that, he, yeah. he gets them to click. He's got role players. He's got a very good player in Josie Allen. Mm-hmm. She's probably, you know, she leads the team in, in goals. She leads the teams in ground balls. She leads the teams in cause turnovers. She leads the teams in draw controls. And, you know, she's an interceptions. She's an exceptional player. Um, but, she, but and then everyone else is kind of, in my mind, was a role player. Right. And they right. know how to play it. They don't, it's, what's interesting about them is they've got, of the 200 goals that they've had, they only have 17 assists. Wow. So it's a it's a run and gun offense. Yeah, right. It's yeah. a it's a it's an isolation offense where they clear everybody out. They go and they either they either blow by your defender or they cause a they cause a a, a penalty where they get a free position right, shot. Right. So um, and they're they're possession based. So if they win the draw. They're going to slow the game down. <laughs> they're right. going to keep the ball and they're going to work their offense. Right. And they kill right. it on ground balls. I mean, I think if you look at their numbers, they've they've got. Uh, they've got over 400 ground balls in 17 games or 16 Ooh, games. That's so a lot. that means their girls are aggressive to the ground balls. I right? need a coach to come to our practice, teach our guys how to win ground balls. <laughs> so, so you, do you feel like you pretty, pretty confident that it's going to be Loveland and Mason see each other in that regional final? You know, it's, I think, I think if Loveland plays their game, um, they win the draw. I mean, that's all, all these games. For Mason to win, for Loveland to win against Sycamore, they got to win the draw. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a game of possession. It's it's about and then when I'm saying win the draw, they got to get at least fifty percent or better or cause right. disruption, right. so that they at least have the ball. Because if if Sycamore gets the ball, they're very good at slowing the ball down. Once they get it up, you know they're going to go into a they're going to go into a stall. Yep, um, right. we saw it a couple of times. <laughs> um, you know it, it's but they're. Um, you know, so I would say if Loveland if Loveland beats Sycamore, it'll be a it, it should be a Mason Loveland, and that'll be a that'll be an interesting battle because those girls have been playing each other. So let's hear it. Who's coming out? Who's going to Columbus out of those two? You know, I, <laughs> my heart's I know you're a little biased. My, my, I get it, my heart's my heart's with Mason. I think it's going to be a really close game to say. Um, you know, it's going to be who who shows up to play. Right. Um, you know, it's it's keeping your head in the game. It's you know. Who's gonna? It's gonna come down to who has less caught, you know, uh, unforced errors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think you know Mason's got a lot of strong players, um, but sometimes they just, you know, there's some they they kind of lose focus, especially if they're when they're really up, you right? Know? And, right. And uh, you know, in my mind, I've always said a uh, five goal lead isn't a lead; it's a change in it's a change of momentum That's that can right. change it all over. That's right. So you gotta you gotta stay focused for the whole game. Um, I saw them play East this past week. Uh, it was probably their most complete game that they've played yep. from the start to finish, which is is good to see. Um, 
So we just got to see how they do. Right. So I, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't give you one. I, I, you know, my heart says one thing. Um, I haven't seen Loveland play since I saw them actually Loveland Sycamore. Yeah. Um, and it was, uh, you know, Loveland one, 13 to nine. Um, and you saw them in the second half start to play as a team, which is where they, they took right. off. It was, for, I think it was a one goal game at the end of the right. first half. Um, but I haven't seen them. And obviously teams get better. Um, and you'll see, hopefully, you know, none of them have injuries, you know, or, you know, and stuff like that. You never want that to happen. No, you, want right. the, you want the best players on the field when you're playing. No, for sure. So I know he he has a little bit of bias with a daughter on the team. So I'm going to pick, I'm taking Mason to come out of the region and go to the final four. I think coach Snow to have him rolling for sure. And, um, but both really good teams. That'd be a great game. That'd be a great game. So if you can, you said a little bit about the physicality of Lakota East. I know there's a lot of misconceptions in girls lacrosse about you're not allowed to have any physicality. You're not allowed to touch anything. Can you elaborate a little bit when, what can they do? What can't they do? Sure. So what they can do is they can make contact. Um, when you make contact, they had to make sure that the hardest part is for one, they're not supposed to have a horizontal stick. So that it's kind of, it's, it's the, it's the same as a boy's a cross check. They can't be cross checking right. and pumping their arms. Right. As long as they're keeping it in their hands, they can make contact. It's if you, you know, it's a matter of, you know, you don't want to push them off. So you, we always call it hug a tree. You keep your position. They come into you. If they're pushing into you, they should get an offensive. If not you right. push into them. But you can be as physical as that. You know, when you get to college, these girls are these girls are bumping and grinding. It is a different game. It is a in different college, game. For sure. um, you know, and, it, and there's it's a different game, game to game with officials too. Because right. when you play a team that's maybe not as physical, sometimes they change the game. When we played Upper Arlington, it was the most physical game, but it was a well played game. They let the girls play. Right. So when you get right. to these bigger games, you know, if you if you have you know, when Maramont's going to play in that regional final, they will have some of the best officials there. No, correct, right. And they're going to make sure that they play the game. Right. You know, same thing with here. Those lower games, you know, you you almost, it, it, it does happen. But the physicality is you're allowed to make contact. You're allowed to bump, you know. Um, you know, my, my daughter loves to butt check. <laughs> she's gonna hit, she's gonna hate me because I said that, but that's her kind of go to. She's gonna get in front of you and she's gonna try to get your butt or your stick, which is legal right. in college. It's you know, but you got to be careful if you go near their hands. Then right. it's it's a little bit right. different. So are they allowed? Are they allowed to hit the stick? Like can they hit the cross? Can they? So when you check, there's checkings allowed. Um, what you're trying to do is you're trying to check the head of the stick, mm -hmm. not the shaft. Right. Typically, you can listen to a check. If you hear the metal on metal, yep. that means you probably that's they're probably going to blow it up, right. right? But you're supposed to be going for the the head of the stick, head of the stick on head of the stick, and it should be you know within a stick away from their uh, their face, their face, right? Um, youth, it's two two heads and stuff, but okay. um, you know a good check. The the other thing too is it can't be a tomahawk chop. You right, know, you can't follow through all the way to the ground. Right, that's right. they're going to blow that up, and they're going to give you right. a yellow card for that, more likely. So it's got to be a controlled hit. You know, you're just trying to get that stick, knock the ball out. Right, right. Break down a little bit for us too. Again, girls across is still fairly new around here, so people like me still learning the rules. My daughter started playing this year. I think the biggest rule I see where people are most confused is 
shooting space? Sure. So if you think about it with the difference between obviously boys and girls is no pads, right? Right. So a girl should become, you know, in a boys game, a boy can shoot and fire on a guy that's standing right in front of him. Right. He's got pads and protection. It goes over his shoulder. He can even follow through and whack him with the yeah. stick when he does right. it. Um, when I was a goalie, my favorite thing to do was if a if attack was in front of me, I would just fall right through there, yeah. you know, and give him a little Goal taste of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for girls, so if, if they're coming in and it's typically starts at the 12, you're supposed to, the defender's supposed to meet you a stick away at the 12. So when they're further away and they slide in within this, within let's call it the cone, mm-hmm. the cone of shooting space is actually the corner of the crease to the corner of the crease. So you can actually put a, a and you can actually follow it as the person goes. I gotcha. So if they're coming in and they're right smack in the center of that cone, it's shooting space because that girl should be able to shoot, okay. but they can't because of things. Right. Um, so, so a lot of times the girls lead in with their sticks, they get close enough and then they get in front of them. So that's one of the things you do. So you try to stay out of the cone, you lead with your stick, get in front of them, you get there and then you, and then you basically block them. Right. right. Um, the pro, the thing that you got to, you know, so you've got, you've got two sides of it cause you've got the shooting space, but then if that girl unloads and, you know, and she falls through, if she falls through and hits him with the ball, that's a yellow card. Okay. She hits hits him with the stick, so that's a dangerous propel because the ball's right. Dangerous follow through. She comes down with the stick and she she takes you out in the shoulder because you were right in front of her. That's a that's a yellow card too. Right, mate. I mean, talking about, I've watched some girls college lacrosse, and it is it is almost a different game. It is because they do. I mean, they a lot of them pull it back and shoot it like the men's game. Absolutely, and these sticks today. Um, these sticks today, you can, you can get, you can groove it up to 80 miles an hour oh, easily. Yeah. Um, my daughter's got one of these new gate sticks and it's, it's, it's a beast and it'll sit there on your sweet spot. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. So to finish up the tournament talk. So we got my pick is Mason coming out of Cincinnati. So where, where else do you see throughout the state? So is girls the same where Southwest Ohio plays the Columbus region? So I'm trying to think of I'm trying to think of where they typically um, who they'll typically play. So you know there's there's really kind of two Columbus divisions um, up there, and then there's really the the North Coast division. Uh, so you'll see because I've we've seen in the past Upper Arlington will play New Albany, and yeah, so obviously they two see, Columbus. Right. Yeah. So, based on the state, you would have. If whoever comes from Southwest Ohio would face Region Three, which is Upper Arlington's region, okay. So you got to go through Upper Arlington to go and play maybe New Albany or uh, you know or, you know somebody up in you right. know a Hudson right. or even a you know a Hudson or a Jackson up to up, mm-hmm. up north. Um, so you've got a you've got a tough road to go through. Oh yeah, you know, they just finished seventeen and zero again, um, Upper Arlington. So it's a tough road to go through. Um, but you know, if you if you want to win a state championship, you want to say that you beat Upper Arlington. Oh, for sure. So for sure. So I think in Division Two, it's the same way. So Region Eight plays Region Seven. So the one so Columbus to Sales. So it's the same same idea. It's funny how well, I guess it makes sense how boys and girls the te- all the great teams are all the same on the boys and girls side. You know, because boys same way Division Two, it's to Sales. You know, I mean. 
the boys this year. I mean, arguably the best team in the state of Ohio for boys is Upper Arlington mm-hmm. this year. So, um, but yeah, but yeah. So division, do you, Marymont have a shot this year to win division two. You think? I think you, I think you can't count them out. Right. You know, they're they're a well disciplined team. They play well together. Um, it's it's definitely a shot. It's just a matter of you know, do you get do you get to that final four healthy? Right? Right. Do you get through right. everything else without any injuries, or are you peaking at the right time? You know, hopefully, you know if, if there's a seniors don't get senioritis because they've all graduated right. by that right. first week of January, oh, yeah. you know, June, and and they're coming through. Um, but I think uh, you know. You know, Kevin's a great coach down at Marymount. Same thing with Steve Peters. Mm-hmm. You've got great coaches who, who've been there before, so that helps too. Oh yeah, for right? sure. Um, you know, they've been there before, so they know they know how to to manage that with the with the kids. So that right. I think, I think you can't count them out. Um, so in Division Two, I think Marymount has definitely has a shot to make it. It's just a matter of who they got to run into before they get there. Right. 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 Well, Kevin, I got to tell you, I appreciate it, man. It's been insightful. It's been awesome having you. Just all the knowledge you have on the teams, the game. Uh, I think it's something that's really missing in Southwest Ohio is that girls across publicity, knowledge, all that stuff. But it's growing. I mean, it's Lakota has a big program. Mason has a big program. Indian Hill, a lot of these schools, it's growing like crazy. So, uh, so what's next for you? You know, you you said you turn it in for you. <laughs> well, you got a daughter yeah. playing next year in What's, college, and well, you from next right now. At least from my my wife's point of view, is we're going to be traveling to see my daughter play That's and right. go to some games. Um, I definitely want to get back into coaching. I'm just not sure when. Uh, it's just a matter of you know when's the right opportunity to do it, and we'll right. see. Uh, we'll see. You know, in the next few years, how everything plays out. But it's it's nice to be the dad in the stands. Yeah. Um, and uh, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. It'll be frustrating, but it'll be fun. Yeah. Um, and I still help out with Mason. I still go like uh, in the off season. I'll do some help them out with uh, with some stuff and and work with some of the coaches to get awesome. things. But awesome. Uh, we'll see. Well, again, well, we appreciate all your work you've done here for Southwest Ohio Lacrosse for sure. I mean, it it goes a long way, and I know it's. It's not like it's the greatest paying job or paying at all of that matter, but it's it's awesome to have people like you here that want to grow the game and see people do well. So, again, I appreciate it. Thanks for coming in, and uh, you know you got a you got a home here anytime you want to come in and talk lacrosse. So, coming up, interview with one of the best defensive players in the world, PLL Redwood Garrett Apple. Support comes from Headline Sportswear, from uniforms to spirit shops. Headlines has all your sports apparel needs. Visit them online at makeheadlines.us to find out more. As always, make headlines. So we are now being joined by one of the best defensemen in the world right now. Redwoods defenseman in the PLL, Mr. Garrett Apple. What is up, Garrett? How you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. Doing well. I appreciate you having me on. Hey, no problem. No problem. So what's uh, what's going on in your world these days, getting ready for uh, for the third PLL season coming up? Getting ready, yeah. I mean, everybody's pretty excited here to have to, to have a, a full season. Um, so, uh, you know, just getting ready for the getting ready for the season. Coach uh, high school across, too. So we're coming up on uh, on uh, the end of that season right now. Uh, but just getting ready. Everybody's getting dialed in and, and looking forward to, uh, to playing June 4th. Nice. Where are you coaching high school at, Garrett? 
Coach uh, Tory Pines here in uh, in SoCal, San Diego. Oh, that's not too bad. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how's the uh, How's the season going? We're actually uh, getting ready to start our state playoffs here too in the next week. It's good. It's good. We uh, we're pretty solid this year. Um, we lost to to St. Ignatius last week. Uh, they're they're one of the other best teams in California. Is nine eight is a pretty close game. Um, but we got a good, we got a bunch of talent on the team. I got a lot of, uh, uh, pretty good kids as well. Uh, great kids, the coach. So it's a great thing, um, you know, for me to do, but hopefully I can give back to some of the kids a little bit too. That's great, man. That's great. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Garrett, just your history. I know you went to Calvert hall coming, you're from Baltimore, Maryland, then went to Notre Dame. If you could just kind of just fill us in touch base. Let the people know out there kind of where how Garrett Apple became Garrett Apple. Sure. Yeah. So I'm um, so originally from Baltimore, Maryland. My uh, parents, grandparents, they're, they're great grandparents sort of thing. Uh, all grew up in Baltimore. Um, so I think that's, uh, you know, where uh, the familiarity with my family came to lacrosse. Um, but James, we touched on it earlier. I actually, when I was three years old, my, uh, my dad, um, you know, took our family down to South Florida. So I lived there for about 10 years where I first started playing. And, um, you know, during that time, you know, obviously, you know, football is, is pretty, pretty intense, you know, sport in South Florida. Um, you know, a lot of talented players come out of there. So I was playing football in the cross and, um, you know, those were, uh, I think, you know, during that period of time, I was, you know, thought I was going to be a football player when I was in high school and college. And it wasn't until I moved back to Baltimore when I was in eighth grade that, you know, I, I re- kind of realized that you know, as I got coached a little bit more that I was pretty talented and could play lacrosse at, you know, the highest level as well. So played at Calvert Hall. Um, we won a championship my junior year. We had a pretty, pretty great team play for coach Brian Kelly, who was, you know, uh, very helpful in, in the you know, development of my career. Um, and he's had a lot of success in recent years as well. That's kind of, um, you know, everybody knows at the high school level. So pretty, uh, pretty great to watch him. And then went to went got recruited and, and played at Notre Dame. Um, for four years, uh, and played for Coach Byrne, Coach Corrigan, and that's really when I when I developed my uh, my skills to where they are today. So you know, played um, in the MLL for a year, and now three years coming up for the Redwoods. But um, yeah, it's a little bit about my history and how I got involved in the game. It was really more my my dad actually helped uh, you know start a rec program when we were in South Florida. And, um, you know, that's really how my first introduction to lacrosse. And then once, once I got it back to Baltimore, you know, kind of took it to the next level. That's great. That's great. So 2017 All-American in Notre Dame, right? Yes. Yes, sir. So tell us a little bit about your experience at Notre Dame. You know, obviously Notre Dame's highly academic school. If you just kind of break down a little bit uh, what that's like trying to balance the academic side as well as, you know, being a Division One lacrosse player at a school like Notre Dame. Number one, we had a, a great program, but, you know, one of the reasons why we were a very successful program is that, um, you know, there's a lot of work put into it, uh, whether it's, you know, watching film, uh, practice, lifting, that sort of thing. And combined with uh, with the academics at the school, it definitely takes up a large portion of your day. So not a lot of free time uh, for sure when you're when you're on campus. But, um, uh, you know, uh, being at Notre Dame was, was awesome. Uh, everybody knows about the football program and, you know, those are some of the best memories that I had when I was there and uh, pretty successful on the, uh, on the lacrosse front as well. Uh, you know, playing for coach Byrne and coach Corrigan, like I said, that's when I really developed, uh, you know, myself as a player uh, and, and really, you know, 
learn to use my skills at the uh, at the highest level. Um, you know, not necessarily the, the fastest guy on the field, most athletic, but you know, I think I have some some other uh, attributes that certainly make up for that. So you know, it was a great experience, and and obviously, you know, my, some of my best friends are guys that I played with in college, which is why it's so uh, so awesome to play with them on the Redwoods. Um, but it's a little cold up in South Bend, though. Yeah, especially <laughs> if you spend a lot of time down in Florida, I can imagine. So yeah. <laughs> so, now, Garrett, you played a little bit in the NLL, also, right? I did, I did. So I played for um, the San Diego Seals for really like one full season, um, I would say, and that's actually what brought me out to San Diego. Um, you know, thought I'd test the waters a little bit in the indoor game and I found out that I wasn't that good. <laughs> so did that, do you feel like that helped your game as far as transitioning to the field game? Um, not, uh, I would say there's, there's certainly more value in, uh, in offensive players playing box than there are defense. And, and, and the reason being is that the defensive schemes are, are not very translatable. Right. And, and what I mean by that is just, you know, uh, six on six and playing in an open field, you know, playing like a slide package is much different in, um, in, in the NLL where uh, you're playing like a lot of picks. So that portion doesn't necessarily translate, but it does, you know, certainly does help with, uh, you know, uh, confidence carrying the ball as a defenseman and, and kind of honing those uh, skills, uh, which are certainly different. Um, but it was a great experience, uh, you know, uh, you know, got to learn a lot more about the game uh, from the uh, indoor standpoint, which was, also certainly certainly valuable but um you know in, in the end uh certainly a lot better <laughs> on the field so let me ask you this so you know there's obviously this summer is going to be crazy as far as the club scene this summer with last summer being you know we played last summer but it obviously wasn't at full strength like it normally is you know you going through the recruiting process really not that long ago First off, what do you feel guys really need to work on as far as being defensemen or LSMs? And secondly, what do you think coaches are looking for at that high level? Sure. Uh, so this is one of the things. Um, it's a great question. Uh, and and I certainly remember playing, I think, my sophomore year going into my junior year in high school. I think I was playing like lacrosse every week. I was super busy. And it's, you know, uh, back then we were getting recruited a little bit earlier. So it was a little bit different. But. Um, you know, the one thing that I always tell like my kids and it's, it's very simple, but you, you, uh, you don't really see it as much as you should on the, um, on the high school front is, is really just to keep your stick in front. (laughs) Um, and it's a very, very simple thing that not a lot of people get right. So that's, uh, that's number one. Um, you know, in high school, especially in the club scene, it's very hard to run like an organized defense. So. Um, when you get to college, you're taught a lot of that stuff. Um, but being a, being an athlete, just being a lacrosse player, right? And especially on the defensive end, being able to pick up ground balls, run the field, make plays. I think coaches are looking for that. And then they 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 figure that they'll be able to teach you the rest once you get to campus. Um, you know, the, the one thing and that and kind of going with that too, um, you know, that's why one of my pet peeves is is when coaches kind of run zones in, uh, in the club ball circuit, um, just because you know, you're not really, you may win some games running in a zone in club ball, but you're not, you're not able to showcase your, your, your player's talent uh, in front of other coaches. Right. So um, I think there's certainly um, something to be said about, you know, running a man-to-man defense and allowing your, 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 you know, defenseman to be seen. I think that's really, really important. It's very hard to do when, uh, when you run a zone. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, that's what I get, you know, something as simple as keeping your stick in front, uh, allows you to, to be a better defenseman and, and, and make plays and, and not get out of position. Cause it's very easy to do so in club you're kind of running around with your head chopped off to, uh, you know, something, you know, keep taking one hand off your stick and then getting run by. So, uh, you know, those part of those little fundamentals, if you can, you know, create a habit of it, it it'll work to your advantage. So do you, do you feel at all also as far as, well, just in your recruiting process, did you hear anything about, you know, how they look for the small stuff, right? Like not turning your palms up to refs and always hustling the ground balls. That's, and that a, kind that's, of stuff? A, that's a fantastic point. And that, and that, and that, then I, I can't, uh, and I'm glad you brought that up because I can't, even begin to to um, you know uh, emphasize how important that is, um, and coaches see that all the time, right? When when you get to that level, um, you know when coaches are recruiting, some you know a lot of t- decisions that they eventually make come down to little things like your attitude and character on the field. And there, I played with you know a ton of kids that you know didn't necessarily have um, a great attitude when it came to those little stuff, like like you said, like if you turn over the ball. There's so much value in, in being a player who who doesn't throw the palms and, and gets their ass back on defense, right? And and then makes the next play. And that's something that um, you know, like you said, like you know, you don't see enough of it, number one, but it's something that, you know, as a young kid, you don't necessarily see why that's so important. Um, so it's it's really it's it's really important for for parents and, and coaches to to teach you know something as, as you know trivial as that or actually it's not too trivial but um, that shows that you know this is a kid that you want on your team at the end of the day right so so stuff like that is very important that's obviously outside of skills but you know coaches are looking to build a, a culture at you know whatever program they're at and that's certainly part of the culture and, and part of the kids that they're looking for. For sure, for sure. So you're obviously, uh, I would imagine, getting ready, getting in shape, or maybe you stay in shape, getting ready for the season coming up. What's that look like for a professional PLL athlete right now? You know, you guys are starting up here in, what, a month or so-ish? Yeah. Um, so what's that look like? Are you getting there, getting in there with your Tory Pines guys? or? Yeah, I actually, yeah. So it's, uh, you know, a lot of it, especially, uh, you know, most of the guys, you know, work during the week, so... Um, a lot of the training happens at night and I'm, I'm pretty fortunate. So I actually throw out the pads with, uh, with some of the high school kids out there and run around with them to kind of get myself into playing shape. It's kind of hard to do and I play basketball and, and stuff and, um, you know, stuff like that to kind of keep myself in shape. And then, you know, in the gym, it's, it's more traditional, like, uh, Olympic stuff, I would say that I, I usually do where it's like, you know, hang cleans, power cleans, you know, squatting, that sort of thing. Um, and that's, that's, you know, pretty much all on your own. And, and after, you know, being in college for, for four years and, and, uh, going through a training program, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that I do, uh, is, is kind of just ingrained in my brain. So I don't need to, uh, like a trainer necessarily to, uh, to tell me because, you know, I got a free, uh, retraining program for four years at Notre Dame and uh, a lot of it you can do on your own, but I get it. Yeah. Certainly get out there with the kids and uh, give them a run for their money uh, on the high school team. I, I bet you that's exciting for them, especially some of those middies or attackmen. I bet you that. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Touch a little bit. Nat, uh, coach St. Lawrence, a good friend of the show. Uh, talked to him quite a bit. Uh, what's it been like to play for him in your, in your professional career so far? Yeah, I think Coach, uh, you know, is a great leader. Number one, especially with his background, um, and you hear it all the time. But it's it's a guy that you you want to play for. Um, 
and that's especially important with in like a in like a pro team um, for a number of reasons. But you know, obviously, you know, coach has the X's and O's down, and and he really gets the guys to kind of rally around him um, to just to play on the most basic level, right? Um, and like I said, in the pro teams, because so many guys have so much experience that. Um, you know, not a lot of the times, you know, the X's and and O's are obviously important for a coach to, to, uh, you know, put into practice, but, you know, we, we need a lot of the intangibles from our coaches as well, just because we do have so much experience on that team. So, you know, he does a great job of that. He's a great leader. Um, and, and, and and if you talk to anybody, I mean, everybody, you know, loves playing for him and, and, you know, on game day, um, you know, you want to get out of bed and, and, and win one for coach. So, you know, I, it's been a, a tremendous experience for me to play with him so far. And, you know, everything that you've probably heard, uh, um, you know, about Nat is, is, is correct. And, and, um, you know, he, uh, he is a big part of why we've had so, so much success on the wood so far. Yeah. We just got to get over that hump this year, man. Hey, so another question, we talk a lot to our guys, you know, my high school guys and even the club guys just about preparation and what that looks like at the next level and, and developing good habits now. So it's easier, you know, for the next four years, we all know we have to work out. We all know we have to work on our skills. We all know we have to hit the wall. I'm a film junkie. I love film. How much for you? does film help you get ready uh, at the level you're at now? And even in high school, you know, getting ready for games or watching film from practice. Yeah. Uh, So that's, you know, something that I kind of credit my like development is that number one is like, and in high school, I, I always, I watched every game that I played. We had a guy that called our games as Booker Corrigan. So he kind of made it fun to watch. Um, You know, he announced all the games, but, you know, I, I always took the time to kind of go back and watch and see what I did wrong and see what I did right now on the high school level. It's, it's tougher to do that sometimes if, if uh, you know, your coach doesn't show you, you know, what you're supposed to be looking at in film. And, and I was fortunate enough to have, you know, Coach Burnt and Coach Corrigan, you know, really do that when I was in college. And, and I, um, I, you know, certainly credit like, you know, my development and a lot of the success that I've had to, to, to be like taking the time to actually, you know, understand the game and understand what offenses are trying to do against you. Um, and it's a really, really important aspect of, of, of my game. Um, like I said, you know, I don't, um, you know, see myself as a player that's just going to go around covering the number one and locking them down for a game. And I don't see lacrosse as, as requiring that. Um, I think it's more about, being a cerebral player and being a smart player. And that only comes if you watch film and, and uh, take the time to know, you know, what your opponents are trying to do against you, number one, but uh, you know, also what are their tendencies, right? So, you know, this is something that I, again, kind of tell some of the high school kids is that, you know, if you watch a guy in film over and over and over again, um, even at the, even at our level, they're probably about three players that have, you know, more than, three or four moves in their repertoire um, and guys do the same thing over and over and over again. And that works to your advantage as a defenseman. So you've got to know those tendencies and, and you can, and you can start to, um, you know, see things before they happen. Uh, and that comes from watching film. So, and, and 
like I said, you know, that's a big part of my game. Uh, I think I do that pretty well. And, and you start to develop, you know, eyes in the back of your head because you know where guys are going to be and you don't even have to look at them. There you go, kiddos. That's one of the best telling you to watch film right there. <laughs> so, so last year, uh, you're in the public eye a little bit in the season last year with the suspension. Being a professional athlete, how how did that work for you? Well, I mean, mentally, physically, what what were kind of your thoughts on that? And yeah, I mean, um, you know, it's a little bit different in the. Uh, well, number one, I, I think I say, uh, you know, probably you know deserved, the, you know, obviously the penalty and the suspension, you know, didn't uh, didn't you know appeal anything or anything like that. I just basically took the punishment and walk away. Yeah. Um, you know, in regards to like the situation, I think everyone kind of was aware of what was kind of going on at the time. It'll, you know, make any, um, you know, excuses or bones about what I did. Um, but there are a lot of, you know, events that, that led up to that. And right. ultimately, you know, my team paid the price for it as well as me. So um, those are things that, you know, that you have to think about as a player. Number one um, is that, you know, probably ultimately cost my team uh, the game, which certainly is a great feeling, right? Um, and then uh, the added fine on top of that wasn't wasn't that great. <laughs> I'm sure, <laughs> but uh, you know, is what it is. Um, move on and uh, you know, keep playing. So, uh, so did that? How much did that motivate you coming back? Because you played watching the PLL after you came back from the suspension, it was like you almost hit a different gear. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, it, it was a great feeling. You know, watching um, our team lose. Um, you know, lose that game number one, and then not being able to play the next game was was tough. Uh, yeah, it's not. It's certainly not fun um, at all. And um, so, uh, just really kind of coming back, I was focused on, you know, just doing the things that I do well, and and uh, you know, being a being a uh, you know important aspect on our team where I can just try to help us win. So, um, you know, it took. You know, I try to try to really think about it too much after after the game, and obviously when I was you know sitting home, that was not uh, also not a great uh, feeling. But um, you know, just try to come back and play my game. There's uh, uh, you kind of have to have a short memory a lot of times, and whether it's bad play or or you know that inc- uh, incident in particular, um, you know, take the take the penalty and and, and move on. There's there's not a lot of usefulness in, in kind of harping on that for too long, right? Right. So that leads me to my next question. You've worn a Notre, a Calvert Hall jersey, a Notre Dame jersey, a PLL jersey. The Ric Flair jersey has got to be your favorite jersey ever, right? <laughs> that it is. I got to say. I appreciate that. Uh, we were we were styling and profiling last year. That's right. That's uh, right. I keep going back. I, I don't know who my fr- – uh, you know, going back on who my favorite rest- wrestler is, either Stone Cold or, or Ric Flair. Yeah. Um, uh, but I love sporting the gear, number one, and <laughs> I love – uh, he's the best. So he he gets me fired up. You know, uh, I'll tell you this. You know, part of my pregame rituals watching some of those promos, which I never get. Oh old. yeah, yeah, those are awesome. <laughs> when Nat reached out to me about those jerseys, because my team, my uh, we do a little thing in the fall where our graduating guys, we do like those theme jerseys like that. Um, and that was the Ric Flair last year. This year we did Hulk Hogan. That's awesome. Stone Cold's got to be next. Yeah, we, yeah, we can do. St- yeah, I have a mock for one right now. We can add a Stone Cold in there as well. There so. you go. Um, 
but but yeah, it was really cool to see when you when you guys posted that on Instagram. That was really neat. I know a lot of people here who are familiar with the jerseys. You know, my I mean, it was it was a really cool response. So, but yeah, I'm glad you guys enjoyed those, man. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I appreciate you sending them over. Yeah, before uh before we finish up here, I think something the PLL does that's really cool is are you guys are you guys mic'd up sometimes? Is that is that what it is? I, yes, we do. We did, they do kind of like the mic'd up in the in-game interviews as well. All right. So my favorite part is hearing your defense in particular talk mm-hmm. during the game. Can you kind of just touch on that a little bit? Just the importance of it and you know, how much better it makes you. And is it something you guys rep or talk about before a game? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, a lot of it, um, you know, is driven by, you know, my, uh, uh, one of my teammates, Eddie Glazner, who probably is, you know, it's not the best ever, uh, you know, one, certainly, you know, the best in uh, pro lacrosse now at, at, at communicating and, and, um, you know, that intangible skill of itself. So he's usually mic'd up and, and that's when you get kind of like a sneak peek into that, into that world, into that skill. And that's something that he does, you know, extremely well. Um, you know, I played with him in college. So, uh, you know, it was a big, it was a big component of our defense was being able to communicate, um, at, at Notre Dame. And we certainly have, have taken that to the PLL as well. Um, and just as a player, you know, the value in, in, in having, you know, a teammate communicate like that and, and all, and all of your teammates as well is, is, um, it's, uh, you know, insurmountable in terms of, you know, uh, the contribution to, to our success and, and, you know, it gives you so much confidence as a player to know that, you know, if, if you're, if you're sliding and, and someone's talking to you and, and pushing you to slide that, you know, you can go and your teammates have your back. So it's all, it's all part of what we do. And, Again, you know that that, that is so, um, um, you know, important to to why we're a successful group, um, and it and it's a skill of, of itself. You need to you know you need to practice that you don't just show up in the game and start start communicating. So, you know, I implore all of the high school coaches out there to practice, you know, communication. Uh, keep it simple, right? You don't want to teach your guys too many terms. Um, you know, at a very basic level and, and, and do it in practice, right. And hold your, hold your teammates accountable. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you want to be a good defenseman, number one, you have to be able to think and play at the same time. And then number two, you need to speak and play at the same time. And, um, um, you know, it's very hard to be, a, a you know, a, a great defenseman and not, not be able to, uh, to do those things. So, um, you know, we, we harp on it all the time and, and, you know, like I said, we wouldn't be as successful unless six guys on the field were communicating at that level. Those are intangibles as far as a defenseman, for sure. So, well, Garrett, I tell you, man, you've answered all our questions. This is our in-the-box segment. You get 30 seconds to one minute. Talk about, promote, anything you want to talk about. The mic is yours, sir. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean, number one, you know, we... we uh, you know, our, our league and any professional league is, is built on, um, you know, support from the fans. So number one, I want to give a shout out to the Redwoods, uh, the Redwoods base, you know, wherever we travel, they, uh, they also get pretty loud and, and that certainly have our back. So we just want to give them a shout out right now. Um, we're look, looking forward to the season. Hopefully we can get it done here. Um, I think we have the pieces to, to really get it done now. Um, especially with a lot of moves that that's been able to, to, to create here. 
and uh, and get for us. So, you know, we're we're rolling this summer and, and really looking forward to uh, to winning the championship. So, love uh, love all the fans and you guys. Um, you know, certainly have our back uh, through the good and the bad, and we certainly appreciate that. And hopefully, we can get some some Woods fans out to the games this year. Absolutely. Well, Garrett, I appreciate it, man. Good luck this year. Go get them. Uh, bring home that trophy and. I mock those stone colds up to you. I'll get one out to you, buddy. <laughs> All right, baby. All right, guys. Thank you. I appreciate it, Garrett. Thank you, sir. Such a great interview by Garrett Apple. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Good luck, everyone, with uh, your tournament coming up. Make sure to sus- click subscribe, rate, review. We'll keep doing this for you guys. Take care of each other. We'll see you. Check the tilt.